Amen, amen, amen. Well, today our message title for Father's Day within the framework of our worship series is called The Prophetic Voice of a Father. The Prophetic Voice of a Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the strength of the word of God that is potent with nutrients for the souls to be changed of your people and to bring from spiritual death to spiritual life those who don't know you. <clears throat> so today, God, as we dive into this passage, uh, we give ourselves over to being saturated in, in celebrating you, ministering to fathers uh, and fathers-to-be. And in order for that to happen, Lord God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, as, 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 as I've <clears throat> uh, walked with Jesus for a little, little bit of time and been in ministry for some time, I, I, I can't help but realize uh, how impactful and how important the role of a parent is in someone's life. Uh, so some of the greatest pains and some of the greatest blessings come from the words and commitment of parents. Uh, parents can either set, they can set the tone for a child's eating habits. They could set the tone for how their children view femininity. They can set the tone for how their children view masculinity. They can set the tone for how their children view spirituality. Parents' voice in the life of their children can set the tone for so many things in their life. It's phenomenal, it's phenomenal to me how much of my uh, counseling of believers has to do with them retracking the impact of their household on their present. And so parents have a very, very powerful role to speak into the lives of their children. And, and the goal would be to speak things into their life. Now, when I say speak things, I'm not talking about name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, call it, haul it. But what I am talking about is the fact that Proverbs does says that, uh, that, that the power of life and death are in the tongue, and they that eat it shall bear its fruit. What does that mean? In other words, when someone says something to somebody, we're not talking about bara ex nikolo, uh, speaking out something out of nothing to create things with your words. That's not what we're talking about. But we are talking about the fact that words, much of the Bible is talking about the impact of words on other people. And what happens is, is your heart is your, the stomach of your soul. Did you get that? And because your heart is the stomach of your soul and the digestive system of your soul, what someone says to you, whether it's life or death, when you eat it with your heart, you nurture yourself on it, and you're placed on an in intended or unintended trajectory based on what someone has said to you. And so the hope is that parents would play a phenomenal role in speaking things into their children's life that their spiritual digestive system of their heart can eat up and swallow up. That's why Jesus is not what goes into a man that defiles them. But what comes out of them that defiles them, what comes out of the heart, why? Because out of the heart, the mouth, what? Speaks, why? That's what the Bible says, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the rivers of life. It's not talking about how protecting your heart from the outside, it's protecting the outside from what's inside. Wish I had some help right there. And so, and so now we come to a phenomenal Christological passage in the pantheon of the patriarch. And I'm looking at this passage, and it's probably one of the most powerful passages on fatherhood in the Bible. 
Uh, we, we have Jacob, uh, 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 my, my man Jacob, uh, who is really the least of the, of the patriarchal sons, but, uh, but plays a phenomenal role in the trajectory of the entirety of the Bible. Abraham, his grandfather, was the father of faith, the leader of the, the beginning or the, the, the a type of a second Adam of the patriarchs. Isaac took that mantle, and then Jacob now takes on that mantle, and he's at the end of his life. And as he's at the end of his life, he's, he's, he's about to lay out his last will and testament. And what he's going to do is he's going to make sure that everything's absolutely unadulteratedly clear as he speaks into the life of his legacy. There are about three layers to this legacy that he's going to talk about today that I don't really even have time to unpack because it's so pregnant with nutrients. Um, but, 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 but what he's going to begin to do is he's going to begin to speak prophetically into the lives of his children. He's going to speak prophetically into their lives, which brings me to my first point. Fathers prepare their family to rep the Lord beyond their life. Fathers prepare their family to rep or represent the Lord beyond their life. Look into verse 1. It says, Then Jacob called his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you what shall happen to you in days to come. Uh, what's happened now is, is we have Jacob, who is interestingly enough a patriarch, which is a patriarch is a family leader that leads pan-generationally its entire family. And if you know anything about the patriarchs, these were people we kind of exalt in our mind. But if you know anything about these families, they were some messy families. I'm not going to get no help at the second service, so I'll go back to the first service. But, 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 but it's interesting that the patriarchs were like this. These, now, we, we're about to have somebody speak prophet, all of this stuff. But look at, because see, sometimes we exalt people in the Bible, but you don't need a reality show to entertain you. You can look at the Bible and see that there's more mess in the Bible that God redeems than ever before. Check out, well, check out some, of the, some of the patriarchal madness that was going on. Drunks. They were drunks. Noah was a drunk. Liars. Abraham, who's called the father of faith, was a liar. He was a liar. Polygamous. They were thieves. They were unfaithful. They were fearful. They were impatient. They, they were steep in brokenness. They played favorites with their children, and they had sibling rivalries. Now, now, now I, don't know, I don't know if you really understand how messy these cats were. Now, Jacob, you got to understand, had four baby mamas. Now, am I let me grab this. Let me, let me, am I telling the truth? Am I, now, 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 he had four baby mamas. Now, you know how you got four. Now, now, you, now, now what, what makes this interesting is something in particular, is that Jacob just was, just calls them together. Look at this. He says, and Jacob called his sons. Now, you got to understand, this is four sets of children. Do you see how messy? See, y'all don't recognize the Bible got some mess in it, right, that God redeems. He calls together four sets of baby mamas who live in the same house together, raising their kids under his roof. Now, hold on. Let's just stop right there. Now, now let's just break this down. This is crazy. Now, how many of y'all ladies would live in a house with three other women with raising your children alongside of some other woman's children while your husband goes from room to room? 
Do y'all understand the dysfunction that's going on in this passage? But what's interestingly enough is God is so powerful by his grace that he challenges Jacob. He raised Jacob up, and Jacob says, I know our house is a mess. Y'all come around me. So you got to have some men that's bold enough to call the mess to himself. Wish I had some help right there. And, 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 and he says in the passage, he, said, he, he says he, calls to, he called his sons and said to them, gather yourselves together. In other words, put your differences aside and come to the table. Now, Jacob is on hospice care in his house. Hospice care means you're about to die. They put a, they put a, they did, they did my mom like this. They, they put, a, when they put a hospital bed in your house, it's, it's, it's time to land. So what he is, he's laying on the bed. I don't know how long his hair is now. I know he got varicose veins by now. You know what I'm saying? And he's laying on the bed and he can barely see. And we know that because of Genesis 48 when he laid his hands on Ephraim and Manasseh. And he's laying here in the bed and his entire family comes around him. And so the 12 sons of Israel flanks him. I, I, you know what? I wanted 20 kids. My wife looking at me like I'm crazy. But I wanted 20 because there's nothing like having a, a bunch of men come around your bed and you about to die. And you're laying your legacy on them. What I like about what he's about to do is he's not going to die. And see, some of y'all in the hood know what I'm talking about. Um, he's not going to die with no will and then have people fighting after the funeral about who get what. He's about to lay out the affairs. See, y'all know nothing about that. Brothers and sisters fighting after the funeral. It's supposed to be a refast. They cussing each other out in the bathroom because they want the house. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm supposed to get the, the life insurance plan. But Jacob has enough masculinity, enough masculinity and manhood and redemptive philosophical constructs to make sure that his house is in order. And so what he does, he calls his sons together. He got a son in the room named Joseph who uh, 10 of them sold him into slavery and left him for dead. And they're standing in the room reconciled around their daddy's bed. Then you got four baby mamas standing behind them around his bed. Then you got grandchildren. Now you got half brothers, whole brothers, quarter brothers, third brothers, all around the table being called as one unit to get away from their divisiveness of being half brothers and call them as full brothers to be covenant brothers. And so a, da a dad is a powerful figure because God has mantled a dad with authority. Now, this is not denouncing women and the role of women in a household. The Bible talks about in Proverbs chapter 1 that a woman has a very, very powerful role in the house. However, it's Father's Day. And, and, and not only is it Father's Day, it's also, uh, it's also a reality that God has made man the spiritual leader of the household in, 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 in which women should not have to beg to lead. And so you see right here in the passage, Jacob not being begged to leave. His wife is dead. He's a widower, and he's bringing his family around the table, and they're coming together. I like it when men call their children up. I like it when men say, son, come here, and look them in the eye and tell them some things. But it's interesting what he's going to tell them. Now, we're going to go down to verse 28. Look at verse 28, because I want to talk about verse 28 so that you can understand what's going to happen in the rest of the passage. Look at verse 28. It says, all these are the 12 tribes of Israel. This is what their father said to them as he blessed them. Somebody say, bless them. Blessing each with a, the blessing suitable to him. I like that. So, 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 so I'm going to come back to that suitable to him in a minute. Um, but, but it's interesting that everything that's going to be said in this passage is a blessing. Now, a lot of it ain't going to sound like a blessing. 
when you hear it. But when, he, when I explain what makes it a blessing, it's going to rock your mind, right? Because he starts with his son, Reuben. And he goes to Reuben. And, 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 and as he, matter of fact, before I get there, it says his symbol. It, look, look at verse 2. He says, assemble and listen, O sons of Jacob, listen to, your fa- to Israel, your father. Now, now, not all the time does Jacob and Israel promote or project two different things. But Bruce Walkie, a phenomenal scholar, says Jacob and Israel occur five times in chapter 49. Verse 1, verse 2, verse 7, verse 16, verse 24, verse 28, and verse 33. Reflecting the weaknesses of Jacob and the strength of Israel in the future of his sons. So guess what he does? He knows that some of his sons know that he had a messed up past. And what he does is he calls them between the relationship that they would have with Jacob and the thing that he's calling them up to be Israel. Let me see if I can make it plain. Jacob points to him being a shyster and a liar and sneaky and conniving and do what I say, not what I do. Genesis, uh, the part of Genesis where he's running from his uncle Laban because he tricked homie out of some loot, right? So he's running with his kids, some toddlers, some teenagers, and they're running, and then he has to sleep on a rock for a night, but something happened that night. The Bible says that someone he didn't recognize showed up and he wrestled all night with them. And after he was wrestled all night with them, his life was changed forever. And when his life was changed forever, his name was changed from shyster to something all new. He was called Israel. Israel is interesting. Israel means triumphant with God. Jacob means you're nothing without God. Wish I had some help. In, in, in other words, he says there's going to be some time where there's going to be some times in your life where you're going to pull on the desire to be like Jacob. But sons, I'm calling you to listen to Israel. In other words, he told them about his mess. In other words, he opened up his testimony fully to his children. Why? Because he didn't want them to just see the best of him. He wanted them to see the worst of him, letting them know that whenever you go through something, whenever you deal with something, God can change you from a Jacob to an Israel. See, 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 people can't celebrate. Listen, people can't celebrate your redemption until you show them your mess. <laughs> see, some of us as parents, we want to hold back on the part of our testimony we don't want to tell our kids. But some stuff will help them if you're honest about, because you're not a superhero. I wish I had some help right there. But you serve the superhero. And so what happens is instead of you exalting your need to be respected, you exalt the one who's in heaven above you. When you exalt him above you, you get respect because of your exaltation of him, not because of you trying to push your prowess to your children. I'm by myself today. And so he says, he says after that, he says, he starts talking to Reuben. (laughs) And he says, Reuben. You are my firstborn. You know, you can see the sparkle in his eyes as he's talking about his firstborn son. It's different. When a man has his first son, it's something about that thing. So Jacob, like, you my firstborn son. He says, my might. And the, in other words, that means the best of my years of fruitfulness. He says, and the first fruits of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. Stop right there. So he begins exalting his son about his role in the household as the firstborn in who the mantle of patriarchal leadership was to fall on. But interestingly enough, remember, these are blessings now. He talks about him this way, but look at what he does right here. He says, unstable as water. Good God Almighty. Now, now what's interesting, what's interesting about the, now we, we just got to deal with the, what the Bible says. He said, he said, you're just all over the place. He said, you try to hold water in your hand. That's what you like, son. 
Now, everybody's in the wrong. Now, this is not just an old dude that got Tourette syndrome and believe he can say what he wants because he's old. He's actually being very prophetic and clear with his child. In other words, he tells his child about his life as a blessing to him. Do you know to tell somebody about yourself, to tell your children exactly what they're like is a blessing? Oh, I wish I had some help right there. I, I'm, I'm going to come back to that in a second. I don't want to get beyond it. He says, as unstable as water, then he said, you shall not have preeminence. Wow. So he took away from him the mantle of leadership. And this would, was a blessing to him and the family. I'll explain in a second. He took it away from him to bless the family. Because every, some people can't lead the family. Wish I had some help. Some people don't need, see, some people, see, the lot, see, Lord have mercy, help me to stay in the text. Listen, just because you're the oldest, see, if you always got to talk about being the oldest, I'm the oldest, I'm the, y'all listen to me, I'm the, then you don't need to lead. Because you don't lead through authority, you lead, you don't lead through power, you lead through authority. Wish I had some help. Because power is different than authority. See, someone, oh, God, I wish I had time. See, someone can have authority and be physically weak and have no power to move anything. But because they have authority, power is automatic. Because authority is based on God, power is based on man. Wish I had some help right there. See, power is what you got to fight for for yourself, but authority is given, power is taken. And so what, J what Jacob does in the passage is he says, listen, I'm taking away your authority even though you're powerful. How do I know that? Look at the rest of the text. He says, because you went up to your father's bed. In other words, you slept with one of my baby mamas. See, the, I told you the Bible is rugged. Y'all, listen, go back and read Genesis. I ain't got time to go through it. That is bananas. How is the son going to go sleep with one of the, this is crazy. And he says this in front of the whole family. I just want y'all to feel that. I just want y'all to feel that. He said in front of, he ain't like, son, come in, come in. He ain't do that. He said it in front of everybody. He said, then you defiled it. And he went up to my couch. The blessing ends. Next person. Now, I'm in the text. Verse 28 said this is a blessing, right? I'll tell you in a second why. Look at verse, it's crazy, man. Look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. These were the aces of the bunch. These are the dudes that was kind of to themselves. His Simeon and Levi. He said, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Weapons of violence are their swords. Let my soul not come into their counsel. Oh, my glory, but not be joined to their company. For, for in, the, in their anger, they killed men, and in their willfulness, they hamstrung oxen. Cursed be their anger. He's blessing them right now. I'll tell you in a second why. But it's interesting that Simeon and Levi were thugs. Now, they weren't, they weren't these suckers that wait till a whole group of people's around to start talking. You ever met somebody, they by, they, they by themselves and they don't say nothing, but then when they got their crew with them, ah, what you trying to do? Let me shave my coat. What's good? You know, but then ain't nobody around. You shook and quiet. Look, these dudes, these, let me tell you what these two dudes did. These two dudes, two dudes, when their sister got raped, daddy acted passive. They said, all right, daddy ain't going to do nothing. Levi and Simeon, he said, it, it's a car. What you going to do? Reuben, what you going to do? Oh, these some punks. Come here, Levi. Let's go over here. He walking bow-legged. You know how the dude's hard. They walk bow-legged. They get up in the cut. They said, look, 
we're going to get them circumcised. They, so they, 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 they went down. They said, oh, we're acting on behalf of our father. They act like businessmen. They said, we're acting on behalf of Jacob, our father. Um, we need all of you to get circumcised, and that's the bride payment for you to uh, be able to marry our daughter. And then they walked back, and they waited a few days till when the soreness was at its worst. Then they had no gats, they had no arrows or nothing. They went down there with knives to a city of people and killed everybody. Oh, can y'all believe all this stuff is in the Bible? He went down and, and killed every hamstrung the animals, stole the honeys, everything. They went, they, they went buck wild. This is a reality TV show right here in the Bible. You ain't got to watch Atlanta Wives, hip-hop, love and hip-hop. You ain't got to watch none of that. Just read Genesis. Just read Genesis. Just read Genesis, right? And so, and so, and so, and so God, I mean, he curses their anger. See, interesting that he didn't curse them. He cursed their anger. I'll come back to that. He says, Judah in verse, Judah in verse 8, he says, Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hands shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's club. Down to verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff and between his feet until tribute comes to him. Or uh, a better translation of this is until Shiloh comes to him. And Shiloh is ultimately pointing to Jesus coming. And so the tribe of Judah will be the tribe in which Messiah will come through. And so he's talking about the scepter not departing because of the eternal relationship and the eternal lordship and the eternal kingship of the Lord Jesus Christ. So bestowed upon him by God's grace is the fact that, the, that, that Judah, who went out and slept with a prostitute, that ended up being his sister-in-law. Do you hear the Bible? And he says, Messiah is coming through you. Listen, sons of fathers, you got to be able to speak into your children's life in spite of their mess. Wish I had some help. He speaks a blessing on them because even though the blessings are individual, they are family-oriented blessings that impact the entirety of all the clans. Because Messiah is going to impact all the clans, not just Judah. So he's blessing them even though he's blessing him. Look what he says in verse 11. He says, binding, he says, binding his uh, 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 foal in the vine and his donkey's cult to his choice. Talking about the triumphal entry of Jesus ultimately. He has washed his garments in wine. Talking about the blood of Christ. And his gesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine. Jesus Christ's eyes when he comes back in judgment. And his teeth whiter than milk. Then he says, Zebulun shall dwell at the shore. The, the blessing's gonna get shorter until we get to Joseph. It's gonna be funny. He says, Zebulun, look, check, 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 check out, check out the Bible. This the Bible's just a trip to me. He says, Zebulun shall dwell at the shore, the seashore, the, the shore of the sea, and he shall become a haven for ships, and his border, and his border uh, shall be at Sidon. In, 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 other, in other words, it's interesting. That, that, that Zebulun is going to be a surf junkie, right? So he's going to be beside the water. He's going to be a beach dude, you know what I'm saying? Hanging out by the beach and being a haven for ships. And he's going to be a tradesmith, if you will, and talking about his role in being a tradesmith among uh, the peoples. Then he goes down. He goes down to Issachar. He said, Issachar, this is funny. 
He, said, he, said, he says, Issachar is a strong donkey crouching between the sheepfold. That's the extent of his blessing. So, so, so let me explain that, right? So you go back to, you go back to Zebulun. Zebulun is going to be a navigator and a beach boy, a beach boy and a navigator, all right? You know what I'm saying? Then Issachar is twofold. It said he's strong as a donkey. The, I can't translate the Hebrew here, but it's a curse word literally in the lexicon that calls him something in what this means. Amen. I'm saving Miss V's ears. Amen. Next thing. <laughs> Next thing. Crouching between the sheepfolds. So what is he saying here? He's saying he's going to be stubborn and lazy. Crouching between the sheepfolds means while a brother's working, he out there uh, sipping on wine and, and, and having honey. You know what I'm saying? So between the sheepfolds, it's crazy. And then he goes down and he says, and he's, and, and, listen, he saw that a resting place was good and that the land was pleasant. So he bowed his shoulder, uh, to, a shoulder to bear and became a servant uh, at forced labor. So in other words, he says, you're going to be so lazy, God's going to have to make you work. Now, this is a good father. I know y'all looking at me like, what in the world is he preaching today? Listen, but the Bible is so powerful because this father is speaking into the lives of his children. And he's speaking hard truth that's a blessing to him. You, you can't talk around your children's issues. You got to talk to the other issues. Now, watch what he says here. He says, look what he says about Dan. He said, Dan shall be judge of his people. As one of the tribes of Israel, Dan shall be a, a, a serpent in the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heels so that his rider falls back. Well, who is he talking about? He's ultimately talking about Dan going to be a, a, a judgment tribe, which I'll talk about later. And what's interesting is powerful is that this is the tribe that Samson comes out of. Samson's going to be a Danite. And so it's, it's powerful how people are going to sleep on him, but he's going to be strong. Uh, watch what it says. It, 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 says, uh, it, it says, so that the raiders fall backwards, uh, and, and, he says, and, and then he breaks into prayer right here. Let me, let me just stop. This is funny. In other words, Dan is going to be a judgment tribe, but they're going to sleep on you because they're not going to look at you and think anything of you. See, most people think Samson is this big, strong dude. God doesn't usually do it that way. Samson probably was a skinny, funny-looking dude that had strength that nobody knew about because God wanted to exalt his strength above his physical character. That's just me. Anyway, then Jacob, you know, Jacob's a dad, so he goes into verse, verse, verse 18. He goes into prayer. He, he, said, he said, good God Almighty. He's saying all of this stuff. He says, he says I'll wait for your salvation, O oh Lord. In other words, he said, we're going to need some deliverance in the family. That's, what he, that's basically what he just said. In other words, his son's got so many issues, he, he breaks off into spontaneous prayer. Every now and then, a dad need to do that. When your child come in the house and they tripping and they talking all crazy, say, oh, Father, I pray for your salvation right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. In other words, he just goes in and he comes back and goes back to blessing. It's crazy. It's phenomenal. I love the Bible. I love the Bible. So funny yet rich and redemptive. He says, raiders shall raid Gad, and he shall, he shall yield royal delicacies. Powerful. I, I, I'm sorry, but, the, but, but he shall raid, uh, raid at their heels. Talking about the, the way that Gad will be all of the days of Gad's life in relation to people being against him and him being against others. He's going to be a guerrilla warrior. Not a terrorist, but a guerrilla warrior. That's what that means. Look at verse 20. Asher, 
or Asher's food shall be rich, and he shall yield royal delicacies. In other words, he's going to be a foodie and a chef, all right? So he's going to be the dude that's going to be the best cook in the household, and it's going to be a blessing to the other brothers. Naphtali, he said, is a doe let loose that bears beautiful fawns. In other words, he's going to be a free spirit. He's going to be the hippie of the bunch, okay? That's what Naphtali is going to be. He knows his sons, man. Then he says, Joseph is a, is a fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a spring. His branches run over the wall. The archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him, and harassed him severely, yet his bow remained unremoved. His arms were made agile. Who is he talking about here? By the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. So basically he talked about your brothers tried to kill you and destroy you, and they did wound you, but it ended up in a resurrection. I wonder who he's pointing to in this passage. Then he says, by the God of your father who will help you. I love this. By the almighty who will bless you with blessings above heaven. heaven of heaven above, rather. Blessings of the deep that crouches beneath. Blessings of the breast of the womb. Uh, uh, the blessing of your father are the almighty beyond the blessings of my parents up to the boundaries of the everlasting hills. Lord, have mercy. May they be on the head of Joseph. He basically announces him as the new head of household through his sons eventually. And it says, and on the, on the brow of him who was set apart for his brothers. Then he says, Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning, devouring the prey and, the, and at the evening, dividing the spoil. This is powerful. Several principles out of this. Number one, we see that he, didn't, uh, uh, that, that, that he knew the sinful tendencies of his children. What he did as a father is he saw where they were and he proclaimed them beyond where they were by challenging them where they were. It's interesting that Reuben, Reuben, Reuben would have been head of household, but God blessed him and God's people by not allowing him to be head of household. That would bless the family. That was the blessing that he would receive so that he wouldn't have to live with the challenges and destructive mistakes that he would have made as a leader. Not only that, he blesses his sons, Simeon and Levi, in such a powerful way. And he blesses them in a powerful way by telling them, I am not going to curse you, but I'm going to curse your anger. When he cursed their anger, what was he saying? He says, whenever you operate in anger, I am going to disassociate you from the household. So as long as you operate in a spirit of humility, we're going to make you, be, we're going to allow you to function in relation to the household. Why does he say that? Because he says, let my soul not take their counsel. In other words, I don't want none of the kids listening to you when you're angry. Because you're liable to say everything. How many of you know you can't listen to everybody? Uh-huh. And he basically like, I don't want you ministering to the family if you're in your anger. And that's why he says that. And then he goes further and he says, oh, my glory but not be joined to their company. Why? Because he doesn't want the glory of the household, which is the name of the household, brought down by their seamless anger. And so he goes down and he blesses all his sons in different ways, and he calls them out on their challenges. But not only that, he recognizes something that we need to recognize as parents. We live in a society of, of narcissism. And, and, and this narcissism plays out in our parenting of our kids. I can't stand people that don't deal with their children. Okay, let me give an example. They at your house. You got glass in different places. You got stuff in different spots. 
but your, the child is tearing your house up. Then when you talk to them, they get mad at you for talking to them, but they won't talk to them while they tear up your house, leave, and mess it all up. In other words, they're okay. Don't tell me your child is okay in my house. If we at your house, you can say your child is okay, but not at my house. What does that mean? In other words, it's a philosophy of parenting that doesn't honestly deal with their kids being bad. Which when you don't deal with your children's stuff, it makes them have an entitlement mentality. And so they grow up and go into a world that's going to eat their behinds up because the world doesn't applaud fools in that sense. And so he was man enough to say, I'm going to tell you about it. I'm going to bless you right now. The, 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 parents, the, the one, some of the best ways we can bless our children is dealing directly with their issues so that, because no, listen, so, so I'm going to just say this, and I'm going to leave it alone. Some of us need to get our children under control. And it's going to bless you and everybody in your leadership of seeing God do that in a phenomenal way. But not only does he leave them there, he goes from there and he deals with their strengths. He ministers to their strengths. Not, that they're, not, not for their own strength's sake, but he knew what they were. It says he blessed them with a blessing suitable to them. That means he spent time with his children and he understood his children and he knew who they were and he contextualized his voice of blessing to the lives of each one of his children in a phenomenal and loving way. But then he gives them redemptive hope. He gives them hope. He doesn't just leave them in there. Because some of us are good at critiquing our kids, but we're not good at encouraging our kids. See, some of us are always heavy on them. But listen, he gave them hope by letting them know Messiah was going to come through them. And, and pointed them ultimately to the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, the only way this mess is going to be cleaned up, that's why he prayed in the middle for salvation. He prayed for, he, God, I need all of them to get saved, all, every last one. Because you, gotta, you got to begin as you look at your children and you challenge your children to encourage them redemptively. And the, and the ultimate nature of the encouragement is powerful in this passage as you go through the meanings of their names. The meanings of their names, you, the meanings of their name lay out the beauty and glory of the life of Jesus Christ. Oh, y'all not listening to me. R Reuben's name means behold a son. Simeon means to hear and to have a good reputation. Levi means to be joined to. Judah means praise the Lord. Zebulun means exalted one. Essachar means he will bring reward. Dan means judge. Gad means to cut or invade. Asher means happiness or joy. Nephtali means struggling. And Joseph means Yahweh increases. And Benjamin means son that is at my right hand. So ultimately, their lives are a narrative of the pre-existence, the incarnation, the post-existence, and the return of Jesus Christ. Where do I see that? Behold a son. What did the Bible say? Behold my son, in whom I'm what? Well pleased. Simeon, here, listen to my son. Right? Levi, join to my son. I will make you what? Fishers of men. Judah, praise the Lord. He's zealous for the Lord's glory. Zebulun, exalted one. Why? Because it says, at, every, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess what? That Jesus Christ is glory to the glory of God the Father. Issachar says, uh, he will be a reward. In Revelation, he says, my reward is with me. I wish I had some help right about now. Dan, name is judge. Jesus says, I did not come yet 
to judge, but I came to seek and save the lost. But one day, he's going to come back in judgment. And he's gonna, he came first as a lamb, but the last time he's coming as a lion. The lion's going to disappear. The lamb's going to disappear, and lionage nature going to come out on the world because then next it says Gad's name means to invade. That means when he comes out, he's going to invade planet Earth. But it's interesting. It talks about Asher's, uh, uh, Gad's name also means uh, to cut. What it comes out of his mouth? A two-edged sword. Powerful. It says here, Asher means happiness and joy. After judgment, it's always joy for those who wasn't under his judgment. But it came for a reason because Naphtali's name means struggling. That means where did he struggle? He struggled at the cross. He struggled and he bled and died on our behalf. And, 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 but but, but, but it, didn't, it didn't end there because Joseph's name means to increase. That, 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 means, that, that means that he not only died for us and struggled for us, but he was raised up from the grave. And guess what? He, he increases on our behalf. But then Benjamin's man, name means son at the right hand. Because after he's done it all and after he's taken care of everything, uh, after, after he says, behold my son, after he gets the reputation, after he joins us to him, after he blesses us to praise the Lord, after he goes in exaltation, after he brings the reward, after he comes out in judgment, after he invades and cuts, after he brings happiness, and after he struggles on the cross, the third day he rose from the dead, and Joseph saying, Yahweh increases. And then he says, sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool under your feet. I'm so glad today that God doesn't leave us in our pain. I'm so glad that God doesn't leave us in our struggle. He's a good father. What makes him a good father is he can take us from pain to exaltation. He can take us from stress and struggling to strength. He can take us from brokenness to blessing. He can take us from where we are as a good father into the place where he wants us to be. I wish I understood I had a few people in here that would worship the God of heaven today, who is the best father, the exalted father, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords. I'm so glad that our salvation doesn't rest on these 12 men. Wish I had help right there. But in the one man, all the 12 are summed up eventually in him by which he fully fulfills everything. Somebody should say everything. He fulfills everything for his people. Body washed with blood and exalted and raised from the dead. Now we're brand spanking new because God is our father and Christ is our Lord. And we'll be with him being fathered by the God of heaven forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. God will be your father no matter how much your father hurts you. No matter what your fatherly past is, no matter what your fatherlessness is, is that true fatherhood and experience of fatherhood is found only in God the Father through Jesus Christ. Somebody needs to let some stuff go today. Somebody needs to forgive somebody today. Because if God can use these broke back fake jokers in the text and redeem them by Jesus Christ, I don't know about you, but you just as messy as they are. But both of us are all is needed of the blood and belief and challenge of Jesus Christ. So today, as we exalt the Savior, who ultimately is fulfilled in the power of this passage, that Jesus fulfills it all, and God is made into our Father. Listen, I don't care where you were born. Everybody's not a child of God.
You're a creation of his, but everybody's not a child until they repent and turn to Christ by faith. And allowing his death on the cross to be the substitutionary atonement for your sin. That means that God's wrath should have been poured out on us, but instead of pouring it out on us, he poured it out on Jesus. And as he poured it out on Jesus Christ, those who believe that God's wrath was poured out on Christ, the righteousness of Christ by faith is imputed and given and injected and transplanted. You get a blood transfusion. All of your spiritual blood is empty, and Christ's blood is now in your circulatory system of your soul, circulating all around, and you're raised up on the third day, just like him, to newness of life.